Hey there, Spotlighters. Liam here again. Before we get into today's Spotlight, discussing Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Trials and Tribulations with special guest Bob Fleming, I just wanted to take a moment to offer some context for the recording of this instalment of the podcast. We recorded on Saturday, 8th of August, at a time when the UK was experiencing some of its hottest temperatures ever recorded. And due to that, I could not survive without having the balcony door open during recording. Unfortunately, I live in Brighton where the seagull is king and turns out they had a lot to say themselves about this classic 30th anniversary episode of Trek or at least I can only assume that was the case as they wouldn't fucking shut up all the way through the bloody recording so unfortunately as much as I've tried to get rid of as much egregious seagull commentary to the episode as possible they do occasionally still chime in so I just wanted to apologise for that up front. Rest assured dear listeners that I'm just as angry about this as you are. I mean I could have killed those bloody seagulls. I seen you sparring with a gull. Best leave him be. Bad luck to kill a seabird. Oh no, we've annoyed William Defoe. Look, Mr. Defoe, I apologise. Of course, I would never really kill a seagull. It was just a joke. I'm a great animal lover and... Bad luck to kill a seabird. Alright, Bill, calm down, mate. Look, I bloody love seagulls, really. Alright. Now, can we be friends again? I'll find some jerk in ye, lad. Now's the time for gab and chatter. Let's be enjoying it. I'll take that as a yes. Right, well, sounds like me and William Defoe off some dab and patter, so enjoy the podcast. It's a great fun episode. I don't actually think the occasional background noise detracts too much at all. Be nice to seagulls and live long and prosper. Peace! <laughs> another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekky perspective. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt. Hello, everyone. And Paul. Hi. And I'm Liam H. Dempsey, and we're also joined by a very special guest today, Mr. Bob Fleming. How are you doing, sir? Hello, Bob. Hello, hello. Very Uh, well, thanks. Thanks, gentlemen. Bob is a member of the Proctor Who podcast. That's a Doctor Who podcast that fuses the worlds of Doctor Who and Prog Rock together. Bob, tell us a bit about your podcast. Uh, Proctor Who, it is, it has been going quite well now, nearly six years, and it's fun. It's just um, a few chaps, but we sort of break up our ra- ramblings of uh, middle-aged men talking about a children's TV show with music. Well, Liam's been on it a good few times, and that was because when you guys started out, I was looking for a Star Trek podcast that wasn't boring nerds. Uh, to be brutally honest and I was looking for something a bit more like you know a bit more fun and light hearted like Proctor Who uh, that's what I found you guys I'd argue we still are boring nerds but okay <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> but, but I mean I'm, I'm, I mean of course we're all nerds we like Doctor Who and Star Trek on and the stuff, spectrum you know, of boring uh, nerds but, kind of maybe lower but, half uh, I just mean that pe- people sometimes take these things a bit too seriously I think and that's what you want to try and avoid and I think Star Trek particularly is quite rife with that it was nice and quite hard to find something like yourself. So it was, it was great. We did then get to know Liam from there, uh, meeting him in Brussels for a few pints. 
because uh, we don't meet in the UK, only when we're abroad, apparently. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's just it's just great fun, um, and, and we just love doing it, and it's just a really good, like, sort of best mates like you guys having a laugh and talking about something to love. It's, it's, it's class, I love it, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool, man, because the, the thing is, when you got in contact with us, we, we barely just started. I think we were literally just, like, four episodes in or something, when suddenly um, we we got in contact online and obviously you invited me on the show and that that was so good for us at the time to be able to actually start meeting other podcast people and stuff like that and so it was a yeah. really great experience of coming on the uh, show the first time which I think was for uh, Peter Capaldi episode not not yes it was really really cool to get to know you guys and obviously yeah Brussels as well I mean that was absolute madness of just <laughs> both finding out we were in Brussels at the same time going. Well, now's the time we can meet up. Like now, yeah. not actually in well, the UK. Yeah, I remember at the point, the time that happened, Liam. It's just it actually it was quite validating for the show. Just that we, you know, we had we got guests on, of course, but to be yeah. guesting on something else that's already established. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, we've we've kind of arrived now. So people are, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was really, really cool. And it was a big help to us when we started out. Definitely. How many times have you been on now, Liam? It's been quite a few, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I... Yeah, oh, man. I think I've been on various iterations of Proctor Who, your various kind of spin-offs, like about six or seven times or so now, yeah, over the years. Yeah. You like to write as a novel as well for your feedback, which is... <laughs> Craig, likes yeah, yeah, yeah. To, Craig likes to read out your big mouthfuls, Liam. So that's <laughs> always good fun. <laughs> well, yeah, I, forgot, I, I didn't have time to get feedback in this time. You, you've literally just got a new episode... Out talking about the mind robber, of course, Patrick Troughton's yeah. story. The first ever Patrick Troughton story I saw of Doctor Who back mm. on the 30th anniversary repeat run. I do like that story very much, especially the first episode yeah. when TARDIS blows up. It's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool episode. What I love about podcasts is so I do a Star Trek one as well. Check this out, which we just review episodes of Star Trek as you do, and that's again with men and women doing a science fiction podcast together. It's, it's just great. It's really good fun, and it's you know there's there's always debate, but I, I do like that, and that's what I love about podcasts. Is there's no it's not competition, you know. Hence asking you on the show when I first heard you, Liam, and it, that's what it's about welcoming all the people you know on and getting to know people, and I, I just love that. I love that about podcasts. There's no competition. Everyone's just you know on the same thing they're doing it for fun and it's it's just really cool it's a great medium to be involved in it's just brilliant fun and brilliant getting to know like i say you know yourself liam and loads of other people i've got to know you know and i've never met most of them mm. my classmates are sort of really good friends and we you know because we've got this common thing of doctor Who or star trek or whatever it may be and i love that i just love that about podcasts it's a very positive yeah and like thing. now more than ever when everyone's on their own oh, yeah. in their house it feels such a great way to be able to, to hear from from pals this is literally how i'm getting to see liam and paul here most of the time so <laughs> yeah. to, to... i must i must admit it's the, i've upped my podcast game a lot in lockdown for that reason matt to be honest and it's uh, <laughs> it's my social, but what everyone seemed to be doing was doing this Zoom thing, Zoom quizzes, right? And I did one at the beginning. Now, fortunately, I've got a, a seven, eight month, eight, eight month is tomorrow, uh, some, um, and he was with me and my, my girlfriend, and we started this Zoom quiz. And you know what people are like with the internet? Oh, my God. <laughs> like people are, like, logging in, logging out. I was like, 20 minutes, nothing had happened. I was like, this is shit. Um, so I sort of nipped Alfred and made him cry a little bit to get us out of the, the situation. 
Uh, that's really bad. I didn't, you know, just sort of, you know, just a little like, you know, just to get him a little moan. I was like, oh, we've got to go. Alfred's crying. Uh, and then I've never done one since. <laughs> um, but, I, but it's not Doctor Who, is it? It's not Star Trek. It's just a lot of people trying to use the internet and do a quiz. General um, knowledge. Which I'm no into. Yeah, exactly. No, Doctor Who questions. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want, I want specifics. So, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of a naughty thing. I hope no one's listening that uh, I did that too. But if <laughs> if you are, I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's something lovely about doing these podcasts because this is how we do them anyway. Really, I know you guys used to do it in the same room before all this kicked off, but we never have. So it's it's nice still doing it like this. So it's uh, it's that little bit of social thing. Have you it never kind of, recorded one in person for Prog Two? Uh, we. Yes, we did a star. We went to watch Star Wars: The, the Force Awakens when it came out together, uh, and then we came back to my house and recorded that together. And it oh, was okay. really weird because we went in the same car and we we said, you know, our rules always don't t- don't give your opinion until we do the podcast, you know. So we just <laughs> came out the cinema side side into the car, so we got back to my house, no one speaking. I think the only thing I said is, "Do you want a cup of tea?" And it was like, yeah, that was it. Um, so yeah, and, and Craig used to come to mine sometimes and record like his bit but mark was always you know encumbering mm. it's it's yeah just it's made life a lot easier i mean I, I, the only person i've done a podcast in the same room with is john who's on pog to who yeah and me and him used to do an improvisation podcast we'd go around his and record there and stuff like that and it you know that's i think with stuff like that it's different improv you've got to be mm. there but no no i just it just it's the way we work and it seems to work all right Oh yeah, I mean it. It definitely does, mate. I and mean, it's it's one of those things where you always the, the camaraderie between you guys on Broad Two is really is really there. Uh, so Bob, you mm. will know that whenever we have a guest on for the first time, we do Star Trek credentials. So I mean, yeah. obviously you've got a fucking Star Trek podcast. So that's that's a pretty big <laughs> credential. But what have you seen? What haven't you seen? Um, so I started on the uh, the Next Generation Blu-ray remasters that they did, which are beautiful. We had DS. the uh, producer on who, who did those DS remasters. Nine. Yeah, oh, the, 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 yeah. Absolutely stunning, beautiful. It's, well, it's like a new it's a labor show. of love. And yeah, he only bemoaned the fact that, that people didn't buy it as it went along because they're all waiting for the, the second yeah. season mega set. Mm. So you were, the, you were the one guy <laughs> who kept it going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she bought me one at a time. Oh, it, it looks incredible. Uh, so I started with that and then bought Enterprise and watched all the Enterprise, which I really adore the Enterprise. I think it's great, particularly season three. I think it's a great arc. Yeah, and then I, I, went, I went through uh, DS9, which I love. Quirky Star Trek kind of thing, but goes to some deep and dark places. But it's still fun. Um, so I did all that on Netflix and then did Voyager, which I do really like Voyager. Um, it was more of a struggle, to be honest. But I think there's, there's people that, you know, mine's DS9, say, or TNG. Then someone else's is Voyages. There's different reasons, which, why, which is why I love it, because it means the shows are different. Uh, Discovery was buzzing when that came out. I love that. Picard, the same. Uh, all the films, you know, I don't love them all. It tends to be even numbers that I tend to love. I think that's the sort of thing that, that most people Standard. do. Uh, the original series I really struggle with, being brutally honest. I think there's about maybe 25 episodes that are any good. I've got a massive issue with Gene Roddenberry as a person. Um, I just, you know, he's a shop misogynist. He's all the horrible things you don't want in a person. So I don't understand why people just hold him up this halo. Um, and I don't care in saying that uh, because it's true. Um, and he caused a lot of problems on Star Trek. He's, he's a terrible writer. You know, the idea and concept was brilliant, but it wasn't that well executed because it's quite sexist, isn't it, original Star Trek? It's quite it, it all is these. It's quite <laughs> sexist. <laughs> it, it's, we have discovered know, that. Muds, muds women, uh, you know, and it's. It's it's the sort of white male's version of what they perceive these ideas to be, 
which people have taken on and done a brilliant job with. Um, and that's, you know, why the motion picture struggled, because Roddenberry had his, had his fingers in all the pies on that, which is why it's a shit movie and it's boring. <laughs> Um, it is I mean for spending 43 44 million pounds on that movie and there's no content or plot to it it's the most bland and everyone even the costumes are bland you know it's just so shit but then you've got the off the can which is a a, a, you know quarter of the budget but they they bring in uh, Nick Meyer and they bring in uh, what's he called Um, Herb Bennett yeah, oh, Bennett, that's him so these two come in and uh, basically go Gene you see office over there yeah go in there lock the door He's out the equation now, basically. But he's still trying to do bits, but he's been totally put aside to get people in that can actually do the job. And that's why the Roth Khan is incredible. And then it continues from there. But Nick Mayer basically saved, you know, and Hal Bennett, they saved Star Trek. If they'd have continued with Gene Roddenberry, he'd have destroyed his own creation. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of the original series or um, of, of Gene Roddenberry whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but there's many other people and things I love in Star Trek, the people that did it properly and good really so there you go controversial <laughs> um, but it's just what I, you know it's my opinion i'm not saying it's right or wrong it's just my opinion i think he well, i don't think i know you know everyone's heard all the stories about him and how worse he got as well but the more he lost control the worse he got as a human being so yeah but but still thank you for star trek gene <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, say, it's, it's one of those franchises that's so huge isn't it it's gone full circle it yeah. inspired other people at the end of the day to then take it and run with it, hasn't it? Yeah. So I've seen all of it. I've I've, I've not seen all of the animated series. Uh, and well, that's about don't, it. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I've seen bits of it. It's all right, isn't it? But it's. Um, <laughs> I'll watch it one day. But yeah. So so yeah. That's my. You know, it's quite. It wasn't like Doctor Who, which I I can't remember not loving. So yeah, I'm not I'm not an expert by any stretch of imagination. Have you got a Star Trek I've, tattoo. I've, yeah. And there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I had 15 minutes left on this tattoo, and I said, I'll just stick it as a quick command badge on me on me wrist. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, no, I definitely, you know, I, I do love Star Trek. Well, that's it. I think awesome. anyone who has a strong opinion, you know, about, con- you know, potentially controversial topics about Gene and stuff, you know, if they've got Star Trek Inc., they know what they're talking about. They can say what they want. It's like obviously you're a fan. It's like you can take the good and the bad and and be yeah, realistic yeah. with with the creator's uh, vision and, and and personal life. You know. So I think that's that's the thing. I think anyone who who would step up and say, oh, I don't agree with this, to be like, well, this is the way it is, and I've got a tattoo, so fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's it's only it's it's my opinion. You know, the facts everyone sort of knows. You know what he what he was like, but it, it's like any you know powerful man losing his power, and that's what they become. They become quite a horrible person. But that's my opinion. People love the original series, you know, and that's their opinion. And I'm not here to be. I'm not doing this to be controversial. That's just what I think. Well, that that's makes your, bad, your episode pick today very interesting, seeing as it yeah, yeah, it's revisited yeah. the original series, obviously. So I think I think I think the angle that the episode we'll talk about today takes is probably highlighting issues you maybe have with the original series. No, absolutely not, because it's one that um, the triple episode, uh, Trouble with Tribbles, is one of my favourite uh, original series ep- uh, episodes. It's loads of fun. Uh, the reason why I've chosen DS9 Trials and Tribulations is because when I was doing this marathon first watch of DS9, this episode came on and I've never smiled so much in my life watching television. Prepare for an unforgettable hour of television. God, that's him. Oh, Kirk. An historic encounter between two legendary crews. He's so much more handsome in person. Together in one of Star Trek's most beloved adventures. They are detestable creatures. 
this? Celebrate an extraordinary event you'll have to see to believe. Too much fun. Next time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It's just perfect. It's everything. I think we spent a lot of money on this as well because it was a, it was part of the 30th anniversary, I believe. And I think they took that money away from Voyager because the 30th anniversary <laughs> episode's not that great. But it's uh, it's just cool, isn't it? It's just cool and fun. How can people not like this? It's just it's just great. It's a beautiful artistic piece. Yeah, well, Ira Stephen Bear actually said that he reckoned at the time this was the most expensive single episode of episodic TV ever made when it was broadcast (laughs) back in 1996, November 4th. I mean, you know, I can buy because he said that was because of obviously the technology that they were having to kind of innovate with in order to blend the old school uh, original series footage with the new footage and also paying residuals to all of the actors who had appeared in the original episode as well. Uh, I mean, they actually brought back Walter Koning to be a basically advisor to everyone on set of how they would kind of, you know, operate things and stuff like that. And he said that he reckoned he got paid. It was the easiest money ever made. Yeah, he reckoned he got paid eight <laughs> times. But yeah, I'll what, take that. Um, he would have got paid for the original episode. Wow, that's easy. Must be so weird for him. Eight dollars. Must be so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Must be so weird for him to come back thirty years later and kind of give advice and and semi direction to people operating in an within an episode he was in thirty years before and the chap playing the other character who who is the same character in both episodes as well. Oh yeah, because there is an actual returning character and actor from the original episode, isn't there? The yeah, kind of Klingon uh, Char- double Charlie agent, Brill right? playing uh yes. Garvin. I just want to say about this chap because he's how a, old is he uh, meant to be? Well he's a he's a Klingon converted to a human. Uh, isn't he? Now, yes. back back in the day, all he had to do was comb the hair and shave the beard off back in the 60s. But in in my head, when someone says convert the Klingon to a human, I have the whole Discovery, you know, Vok thing yeah. going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. literally, literally, back then, you just, because they look like humans, you just shave the beard off and do their ridiculous booth on hair into a normal haircut. And that's how you disguise yourself as a yeah. human when it's you're not a that Klingon. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this is Trials and Tribulations, uh, Season 5, Episode 6 of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. First broadcast November 4th, 1996, as the 30th anniversary episode uh, that they did for Deep Space Nine. They also did another one for Voyager, as you say, Flashback, which was broadcast a couple of months earlier, which was the episode where they brought back George Decay, and it's kind of set halfway through Star Trek VI Undiscovered Country, I think. So the really big 30th anniversary celebrations for Star Trek, because of course 1996 is the year First Contact. That was also kind of part of the 30th anniversary celebrations. I mean, you know, when we compare this to the 30th anniversary that Doctor Who got in 1993, where it was celebrated with a crossover <laughs> between Doctor Who and EastEnders as part of <laughs> Children in Need and Old House Party. Get out I mean, of my you know, Trek. Star Trek got a far better deal than Dimensions in oh. Time. I think you agree, Bob. Wait, so you stepped in the TARDIS, you got gunned. Is that how it works? <laughs> it was, it, do you know what? That that would have been more painless, uh, to be honest. Like, it was... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it out. Like, I actually... I think I re-watched Dimensions in Time reasonably recently because I actually did watch that on original broadcast because when I first got into Doctor Who, it was around the 30th anniversary. So I was like, wow, new Doctor Who already? Fucking hell, oh my god! Uh, it's just, it's just the literally 
to this day, I think if you say someone, right, so they took Doctor Who and EastEnders and put them together, and it's like, <laughs> I'm going to be on a proper episode, and everything is just fucking madness. Excuse me, my good woman, but what year is this? Oh, you, come back here, it's just Nick to Norwich. Oh, shouldn't your Martin be looking after the stall? He's never here when you want him. Wish my Arthur was still alive. Wait, what do you think you're doing? Stop messing the goods about. Do you want to buy something or what? Well, considering the quality of everything that you have, madam, I would say that your prices are rather expensive. I see flares are back in fashion. Yeah, everything from the last century seems to be having to come back. Just wish my looks were. Last century? Well, what year is this? Oh, don't you start. There's enough oddballs around here as it is. Madam, what year is this? I think it's, you can combine the world of Doctor Who with something else, but it was done but just not as... Uh, and shit. Well, no, you can imagine just like there's somewhat going a plot going on, and uh, you know, in on the square, I think they call it. You know, and the doctor's infiltrated as a cockney, and you could kind of do it really cool, and if you thought about it. But this was just horrible. I love how your opinion is like it, they they could do it right. You're like if they put they tried it again now, blame me. <laughs> again. They could they could we'll get make it, right it work for the 60th anniversary. It could have been worse. It could have been El Dorado. <laughs> yeah, very oh, very hell, no, Wasn't hang on, wasn't that the two doctors though? I think that was pretty much El Dorado, oh, wasn't actually, it? Actually, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're pretty Spain. much right. You're pretty much right. Uh, so this yeah. was written by Ronald D. Moore and a guy Legend. Rene Echavaria. Obviously, we all know Ronald D. Moore is Mr. Battlestar Galactica and kind of, you know, a big visionary in Star Trek for kind of Deep Space Nine and stuff like that. Rene, the other guy who wrote this episode, wrote a ton of TNG and DS9 and is also the co-creator of Carnival Row, starring Paul's favourite, yeah. Orlando Bloom. I like Carnival Row a lot. I thought it was cool. Uh, the first episode, it was when they went back in time in the third episode that I started to like it, though. The first two were a bit grueling. Uh, but I really enjoy Carnival Row, so yeah. Oh, okay. Dark Traveller. <laughs> it's a bit of daft. It's a bit of daft. I mostly only mentioned it to try and get Paul to do his Orlando and Bloom impression, to be completely honest. <laughs> oh, I saw you. I thought that was Orlando Bloom coming in on the Skype line. <laughs> Well, he's not busy. So. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. <laughs> he can drop in. Like, I'll get him if you want him. Like. So this was directed by Jonathan West, uh, who directed uh, one episode of TNG and six episodes of DS9, not much else in his career. But he was chosen to direct this because by trade, he's actually a cinematographer. That's what he's got the most credits for. And they thought he would be the perfect person to choose is all about the visuals this episode. We trying to match up the new footage with the old footage, which they did by switching to a finer grain of film for the Enterprise sequences, different lenses to basically make it look closer to the original series. And I do think they do a really yeah, yeah. good it, job. It really looks fantastic. I wonder if this is also what um, Star Trek Continues did or something yes. approaching it to match that 60s aesthetic. Because, yeah, here they really nail it. When it cuts between a shot of, like, young Walter Koenig and then Bashir, you can't tell them apart. Seamless, it's, yeah. yeah, it's the, the yeah, mix I of was, the lenses, the I lighting, and the uh, film grain, for sure. I was wondering, really, because I saw this when it went out, and I just wondered how it would stand up with those visuals, because, yeah, the time I remember being, it's, it's amazing. Because like, it, in Back to the Future 2, you could kind of see the seams a little bit, where they kind of, like, had people sort of interacting in front of older footage and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's a four-year gap, not 30. <laughs> yeah, it, it's seamless. I mean, when you have people, like, interacting as well, actually handing stuff to each other, it, it's a real well-edited episode as well as well as well shot, mm. I think. They remastered the footage from original series 
to try and get it to match the new footage as best it could. It's not like a DS9 has ever got an HD re-up or anything like that. It's still kind of like standard def. And it, it still looked really, really good, those sequences. You could tell they're kind of shot on like nicer film stock and stuff like that. And it just, and just yeah, just matching that old school aesthetic. Uh, I think you're probably right, brothers, in, in regards to Star Trek Continues, because that looks so like the original series yeah. as well. And I know with that, the idea was basically to make everything kind of exactly yeah. as it was. I mean, I mean, by this point, I imagine, you know, they're not shooting that in like 1996, so they probably have more digital effects to, to match yeah. it up rather yeah, than yeah, film yeah. stock, but it, it achieves yes, the same exactly. look for sure. Uh, so this is a direct sequel to The Trouble, The Tribbles, the classic original series episode back from 1967 just a sidebar on this one it's interesting that one of the other episodes they considered doing was a piece of the action and, yes. uh, which you kind of makes more sense with ds9 in a in a way you know it's almost like they switched around like voyager and ds9 which would have the lighter of the anniversaries to do and you'd think like going after a gangster style one would quite suit the dark rage of ds9 but it's just interesting that today like the news was that tarantino's star trek project is not dead and it actually was based on piece of the action <laughs> yeah yeah that he wants to take it basically put star trek yeah. in 30s gangster setting doesn't he now uh, look cracker we're taking over the uh, whole ball of wax and you cooperate with us and uh, maybe we'll cut you in for a piece of the action thought you guys had laws no interference who's interfering we're taking over the uh, planet is being taken over by the Federation, but we don't want to come in here and uh, use our muscle. You know what I mean? Uh, that ain't uh, subtle. So what we do is we we help one guy take over the planet. He pulls the strings, and then we pull his. <laughs> no, no, that's not happening. <laughs> yes. Oh my uh, God! I, I, I just I have to take my money now. Yeah, we're all for it. <laughs> oh. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, no, no! I mean, I, I don't care. It's Tarantino is one of the most generic, bland, boring fucking filmmakers I've ever seen I can predict his <laughs> shit he's terrible and I don't know why oh, people just hold it. him in this high <laughs> esteem fans, fans, oh how he's yeah. shit he's <laughs> absolutely shit I'm really not a fan of, of him I just think he I don't it's he's Brexit Britain's version of a decent filmmaker that's what he is <laughs> fucking Tarantino I mean both Brexit oh I'm man. sorry like, I'm sorry it. I'm sorry lads well, no, I don't I mean, feel he's, he's a divisive figure. <laughs> he is someone who does, like, completely spit people down the middle. I don't think there's that many people who are kind of, like... Oh, well, yeah, on, usually, on the... literally in Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah, is it? yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think there's many people on the fence about Tarantino. I think you tend to love him or hate him at the end of the day. We're, we're all big fans. So I, I am interested to see what he does with it, if. But I'm not convinced it will ever happen. It, no, I'm, I, don't, I think now that the ideas come out, I think people will be less enthusiastic anyway. I think it's it's good idea for like a, a show like this. Yeah. You know, to revisit yeah, yeah, that yeah. 30s the planet, but as a feature film, I just think that's so left field. <laughs> I'd go with I mean I'd be interested to see like if they're gonna give it to someone who thinks they're different, I'd be interested to see someone like David Lynch do a crack at Star Trek. Now that would well, be I interesting. Mean, well, well yeah that would be that <laughs> would know? be left field. Well, he's already turned down Return of the Jedi, so Yeah, I mean I, I literally I cannot for a second imagine what Lynch would do with any kind <laughs> of mainstream property. I mean 
much as I mean, I, I adore I adore the straight story, which is his film that is the only movie he does, which is what well, it's the straight story. It's like him actually mm. making a relatively normal movie, but I don't think he could pull himself in for a like a I, studio I, tentpole. Somebody put on Twitter like the two first frames of that film, where it says Walt Disney Pictures presents a David Lynch film. <laughs> yeah we watched it recently yeah, yeah. on sudden double deep and uh oh. yeah it, he's not wrong like seeing it pop up walt disney pictures presents a david lynch film and then a star wars crawl basically it's like what is this what's happening <laughs> that is amazing completely mad yeah sorry, sorry I... that was my sidebar because it's in the news keeping it hot keep it yeah, relevant exactly. <laughs> for today i mean by the time this episode comes out it'll be completely <laughs> it won't be keeping it relevant <laughs> moment, Paul. It's all that matters. <laughs> well, it's almost like they're well, they're having TV shows like Tribbles at the moment, but when it comes to movies, you can't get anything. Yeah, completely. It, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because this is a direct sequel to the nineties seven episode, but it, it struck me that they kind of almost deliberately ignore the original sequel to that episode. More troubles, more Tribbles uh, from the animated series. They basically pretend. That didn't happen and skip yeah. over it pretty much. Well, well like, I guess yeah, this episode is... is less of a sequel and more of a sidequel, as in that it happens uh, at the same time, so. of course. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how yeah, much they true. want us to believe that if you watch the original series episode, you're meant to believe that that Dax and Cisco are up in the uh, in the in the storage unit and stuff. You know, it's but it's that fun thing, that very Back to the Future two thing actually of yeah having someone from the future come in and mess about with current events and play out the same episode that we've already seen, but from a different angle. Yeah. I'm going to say my, my controversial opinion of this in our cast, because oh. it seems to be the one for airing our grievances, uh, is uh, <laughs> that Back to Future 2 is not fun, a film. And, <laughs> and I, I, I was thinking today, why isn't it fun? I think it's because it's not the third film. Now, I think the fact is you're going back too quick soon to the first film. You should have waited to the third and make it like that. The triptych would have been worked better. But there you go. Well, why, why, why weren't you there making this at the time? That would have been genius. Yeah, yeah but like, it's, just, it's not as much fun as it sounds Like on paper. It's like, we're going to go back into the first film. And just like, it doesn't work. It's Although, weirdly, in the era of Trump, the second one's become the most relevant. Randomly. Well, yeah, in the era oh, of like, Michael Jackson being played in a cafe, unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, I'm a massive fan of the second film. Like, I fucking love all the future shit at the beginning, everything like that, all that yeah. stuff. It's fucking great. I just love all of the Back to the Future films, to be honest. But I yeah. agree that it's the weakest of the three. I, I yeah, love no, the I say, it's not a bad film. It's but, a good film. Yeah, I just, I still just, love it. Just, every, every, after the high of the first, it's just like I, for, yeah, I, for, I forgot to make the laughs. Miss the fun. <laughs> Everyone knows what hoverboard is. It is the it's yes. one of the universal like, things in the, any language all over the world. Hoverboard created by Back to the Future Two. Very true. Uh, which which every young man was th- that was their dream, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, to go on hoverboard. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't ride a real skateboard, let alone a like, fantasy one. So. <laughs> Your opinion. This is brilliant. This is right. This is a good fun podcast. Plus, you do get a better looking Jaws than we had in that episode of Club Bo in Back to the Future Part Two. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, true. So this episode starts off with agents from the Department of Temporal Investigations arriving, who are basically the FBI for time travel crimes or something. 
And I, I see them as being more accountants. They've got that accountant vibe. <laughs> they're, they're sort of number crunching, loving the detail. But yeah, if the FBI... Well, Lynchian, I'd... maybe. Well, yes, well, that's, what I, that's what I thought they kind of were. That, and, and I think they play it really cool. As a kind of like framing device, it's really fun way of yeah. setting the story, isn't it? And you can tell it's going to be fun just from the way Avery Brooks is particularly relaxed in his performance. Yeah. You know, he's trying out the jokes. Everybody's trying to like get a, mm-hmm. get a rise out of these <laughs> get two yeah, bureaucrats. Yeah, taking the piss out of them. First, like, Dax yeah. comes on and makes that stupid fucking joke about them always being on time. And then he's just like, oh, well, he's back. When Cicero's back to tell his story, it's like, this may take some time. And they're like, is that a fucking joke, mate? Like, yeah, you get the feeling. He's getting the feeling over. That, like, <laughs> these guys. But also, I think he knows. taken out of all time. I, clearly, like, the penalty for, like, messing with the time continuum ain't that much it's like a letter you know <laughs> it's like the, the penalty's not worth like putting any fear into him at all I mean he doesn't even care that classic TV structure of a story being told by someone being interviewed after the fact that's used a lot in TV it's very uh, indicative of this type of uh, episode I think the plot is all quite quite kind of thin isn't it it's basically yeah, it's a quite good by to get them onto the Enterprise in the past. That's and then have lots of fun there interacting with the old footage, basically, yeah. isn't it? And there's lots of funny little like callbacks. Like I love Bashir's like I'm a doctor, not a story. Yes. Like imitating <laughs> yeah. McCoy, that's really fun. I think what this does is the pairings of the people. They pair them off in brilliantly. So Cisco and Dax are great together. Their relationship it becomes believable. Because for her to be a whatever, hundreds-year-old man, woman, trill, alien. Uh, and then, you know, he recognises her as that. It's just, I think their dynamic is one of the better ones, without mm. a doubt. And that's one of the best pairings. And then you've got Bashir and O'Brien, the lads. Ready? Deck 21. Deck 21. I said deck 21. Maybe if you said please. What's wrong with this thing? Don't ask me. I don't know anything about this time period. Maybe it's jammed. Take that panel off the wall. Deck 15. I won't tell anyone if you don't. They're they're always good fun together. Because I really didn't take to Bashir for a while. It wasn't until him and Miles became really firm you kind of get this, I just love them too, as two. And you've got the two oddballs of Odo and Worf. And it would just, they were the most sensible, let's go to the bar. <laughs> yeah. Sit there drinking until something happens. Well, I think that's it. I hadn't seen uh, a great deal of DS9, I still haven't, but I'm, as I'm working my through it, it's not quite evident yet the Bashir Komini romance, which is getting closer, yeah. which is going to be great. You know, this is skipping ahead a bit. It was so assured, like their yeah. scenes together. It was really funny, well played. Yeah, you're right. The pairing is reminds me a bit of the voyage home. Yeah. You know, you actually the combinations of who gets paired up to go with who really work. I just love seeing like, Scotty and McCoy just doing their little adventure together and, you know, Hura and um, Chekhov. It's really good. I like it when you take the crew and you can put two of them together and they kind of just spark off each other. You know them so well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's a really good yeah. sign of a great cast. And like, you know, all these early Star Trek shows, all the Star Trek shows have great cast that where this is a great example of where you can do the Voyage Home thing of pairing up your core units of, of, of characters and 
and you kind of have a, a sense of what dynamic they'll have with each other and, and it's a joy to see play out yeah. and I think getting to Absolutely. see these guys do that stuff is really fun especially like we're not seeing in modern Trek either so it's like yeah. to go back to this episode it's reminded of like when you do have just great characters that you know have been developed over several years that the comfort you feel from just watching them kind of have adventures together that's why these shows are being rewatched, rewatched again and again on Netflix yeah it, re- it really is fascinating that I wonder how much of that is down to the way they currently write the modern shows versus the fact that these shows had the space to have 24 episode series mm. and because it was network TV they had to bash out a lot more simpler stories and contain it all a lot the, everything has to revolve around the characters a lot more almost like a soap to some extent when it comes to the characters involved in the concepts of the episodes and I think when you have the modern shows now that are based on 10 to 13 episode seasons and have a very specific story that all the money's going into I don't think you have the time for this and I think that is the kind of trade-off that's a bit of a shame whereas back here you can have fun episodes like this and it's just a blip in a season and it's like that's great I think you're well you are 100% correct Matt in fact you literally took the words right out of my mouth because it's true you know you had all the the, the, chance to breathe in these long running like they are soap operas space soap operas yeah. in the old series and also people's attention span is a lot it's a lot shorter now people don't have the attention span and Star Trek is still trying to be you know commercially viable and accessible and they you know they know that people don't have an attention span anymore people listen to a song for five seconds if they don't like it they knock it off whereas before in the 90s or whatever you'd have to go out and buy a CD you know think carefully about it even if you didn't like it you listen to it three or four times because you'd spent 15 pounds on this item <laughs> everything just so but it's true isn't it you know that's why yeah. an album you call an album a grower you know because you didn't like it but then you bought it whereas now everything's instantaneously accessible in any medium you want and it's this whole thing of it's got to be there it's got to be and it's got to be on the plate as well yeah. for them as you know people don't yeah. like to think as well so you've got that uh, and yeah, it's a shame, but you know, I think now we're into Discovery season two, and I think three will, you know, and that's where more Star Trek series start to nail it. You'll see a bit more character development. So, I, I, yeah, you, maybe, I mean, you're 100% right, and it is a shame, but that's how people consume nowadays. Yeah, I think you're totally right about the term grower. Like, I think now it's more like if you choose to listen to something a whole bunch, it might grow on you. Whereas back in the day, it was like, I bought this album for one track that I like. Yeah. And I yeah, hated everything exactly. else, but after I listen, forced myself to listen to it 20 times, you know what? I quite like <laughs> <laughs> but that is the thing. It's like in those days, when you were spending fifteen quid on an album, you were like, "I will keep listening to it until I like it." Because yeah, I can't yeah. do because I can't <laughs> eat this week because I bought this fucking CD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, you know, it's like the perfect storm gets good on the fourteenth watch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie to yourself, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Bashir and O'Brien are great together in this. And of course, talking about Back to the Future, they sort of have a kind of almost a little nod to Back to the Future with their moment in the lift where Bashir believes he's ran into his (laughs) great-grandmother. Because there's a moment where basically a very attractive woman gets in the lift with them, uh, turns around to Bashir and says, your flap's open. He drops his cup of tea and spits it out everywhere. And then they realise once she's gone that it might have been Bashir's great-grandmother. And I've got to say, Bashir seems 
proper desperate to shag his great grandmother. Yeah, he's He's like, I'm gonna bang this girl, and if she turns out to, if I turn out to be my own great granddad, then great. He's like, she's definitely my great grandmother. Don't you understand, O'Brien? I've got to shag her because otherwise I might not exist. Look, don't you agree with me, Mark? I have to fuck my great grandmother. Yeah, O'Brien missed a joke there. Like you know, he just says, like you know, yeah, you should. Because uh, it would explain a lot. <laughs> but he is, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just emphasised how much of an artist that Bashir is. You know, he does completely and utterly love himself, uh, and it's a prime example and a funny one. But yeah, he could have. Right, O'Brien. O'Brien was teed up there. Goddamn yeah. script writers. Yeah. <laughs> I think this whole this whole part here is very indicative of the episode of a whole, whereas it, it doesn't quite follow through every idea it has. It kind of crams in a lot of fun stuff, like that idea of him meeting his great grandma is a fun referencey idea that pretty much doesn't get mentioned again outside of that lift scene. So It's funny you say that, because I, I, I thought a similar thing, but I was like, no, it's it's meant to be a silly joke. It's meant to just show Bashir being a bit of an idiot, I think, really, rather yes. than a serious idea to actually explore. In the, the fact, the, um, the woman that they see for a second, I thought, I assumed maybe she was part of old footage that they'd somehow blended, but she isn't. She is like a new actress from the time. She just looks really of that era. Because they actually, not only did they do the stuff with the film grain, another really impressive part of this episode is obviously they recreate all the sets and they do them absolutely perfect. Yeah. Like, like Bob says, it's completely seamless. And they even went as far as doing makeup and hairstyling using the kind of makeup they would have used on camera at the time. So their makeup is different from the yeah, usual yeah. kind they would be using to kind of yeah. make it so that they all fit in with the actors who they're kind of interacting with in the episode, which is it's so it's so detailed. Like the attention to detail yeah. is amazing. Yeah, I that. Think. Well, her style of acting as well is sort of another era, and apparently, like yes. the actress was like only one of like fifteen people to like actually nail that line of just saying deck fifteen in the in the style of the original show. Yeah, like, yeah, and and, and the episode really had her part expanded as a result, which is like oh, yeah, nailed that audition. Yeah, that <laughs> actress, uh, Deirdre Imashin, she was in a TNG episode as well. Really, really good. She's totally got that Star Trek continues thing of where they actually have kind of tried to replicate the acting styles from the time as well, the slightly bigger, more theatrical way of performing, kind of like back in those series. Yeah, really, really loved that. The bar fight, obviously, already one of my favourite scenes from all of Trek <laughs> in, in the original episode. Like, that whole thing, I fucking love that. The, the Klingon, the fucking trash talking. Easy, lad. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. That's right. And if I think that Kirk is a Denebian slime devil, well, that's my opinion, too. Don't do it, mister, and that's an order. But you heard what he called the captain. Look at the way it's Kirk is ignoring that claim. He's letting a security officer handle it. Chief, are you sure that's Kirk? Absolutely. Why is he wearing lieutenant stripes? I think we've got bigger problems than a case of mistaken identity. Half the quadrant knows it. That's why they're learning to speak Klingonese. <laughs> Mr. Scott. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? You're right. I should. 
I didn't mean to say that the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I meant to say that it should be hauled away as garbage. <laughs> I love that scene already, but then you throw in all the other characters as well. Yeah. And you, you can tell that when they were thinking about it, they were like, can we do Because that's really difficult to pull off, making sure the other shots like match up and you kind of feel like it's all of a piece. But they totally go for it and do it as well. And it's so much fun it's to suddenly see the other characters involved. One of my favourite scenes is from the original, which I thought was a bit sad they don't put into this. So it's the aftermath when Kirk's got them all lined up, giving them a bollocking. He eventually comes to Scotty or him and Scotty have this conversation. And it transpires, obviously, that the Klingon was slagging off Kirk. And you did nothing, Mr. You know, you did nothing. You did nothing, Mr. Scott. And he went, no, no, no. And then he said, but as soon as they slagged me, uh, as soon as they slagged the ship off, you punched them. So he's like feeling really offended I mean, that, he yeah. got, that he, uh, Scotty punched um, punched the Klingon guy uh, when he slagged off the ship, but not Captain Kirk. <laughs> that was a nice little touch. And it's a shame they didn't put that in because it's quite a funny little bit. Of yeah, yeah, it's yeah, great. It's great. And that is true. It's like he could take, like, every, when they're slagging off, they're like, oh, Kirk, he's a right bitch. But he understands <laughs> the shit bit. Like, he gets yeah. it still. It's like, yeah. But at that moment, it's like Chekhov's like, how can you let him say that about the captain? He's like, well, chill down. Like, don't worry, laddie. Have another whiskey. Yeah. As soon as it's the Enterprise, it's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, the table che- che- Chekhov is like a fucking spring coil. Like, he's just, wa- he's really wanting a fight. Yeah. He's like, he's, just, he's in his chair, like, doing these weird arm movements and stuff. Like, a, you know, he's about to unspring. Um, so, uh, so when he gets let off the hook, he really does go for it. It's lovely. Yeah, um, and so I just love that all, all the all the lads get involved as well. Like just you know everyone Odo, more uh, Bashir. It's just they're just like yeah, this is history. We're going to get involved in a classic fight. We might as well be fighting the Gorn or something. You know, like it's proper. It's, like you say, yeah. it's a classic and fun scene. And to be involved in that, it, it'd just be incredible. It's very funny the way that the mistaken identities that go on as well. The way they think it is Kirk at the table. Is very funny as well. Yeah. They're just like, oh, look at how calm, cool, and collected Kirk is. Just ignoring <laughs> yeah. it. The, the fact is, the the scene where they do have the lineup and Kirk's kind of going up and down. Uh, the like, although they do cut that bit. That is, I mean, that is incredibly seen to the point that I'm like, well, I, I struggle to see how they even did that because that's when you actually have the up characters right next to each other and yeah. pre-existing scene where there already was that lineup and they've inserted them within it like it's yeah. so well Appar- done apparently that scene like, was i think cut out the original episode like i think they use a lot of scenes that yeah. weren't done beforehand and they put them back in for this so it's still new footage but shot at the time which is a really great compromise to be like Oh, here's still some angles you haven't seen from the original episode. Oh, right. Yeah, so I was about to say, like, that scene is definitely in the original episode, but maybe right, it's right. like you say, different different angles on it, maybe. Because I remember the bit where he comes to Chekhov. He's like, you started the fight, didn't you, Chekhov? Fight on you. Like, it always started <laughs> fights. <so> yeah. <laughs> Chekhov's always a hothead in the show. Like, he was the Greek god episode. Who mourns Redonis? He's like, you know, damn barbarian. <laughs> uh, but also the one where he actually gets killed in um, called My Don and Clementine. You know, the, the gunfight at the OK Corral yeah. is being played out and he gets shot in that one. He's the first one to get like really sugar happy. I mean, I think when we first brought up covering this episode, Paul, you said you called it fan service and I think it totally is, but I think it's great fan service yeah. and I do think that there's a difference in terms of I think there's... There oh, is kind of... Uh, yeah, I, I think that was... Uh, 
probably a little bit harsh because I, I was I was just joking really because I think it is one that fulfills on its promise and I think it feels more special than the Voyager one which is not a bad episode itself no but I like, like it. yeah I, I don't mind flashback but like I mean this is a lot more fun than watching a girl <laughs> screaming over an inferno and uh, drop to her death isn't it so. <laughs> I think every, every every scene in this is a joy and yes if you are a fan of you know the original series and DS9. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot from it. Like you know, I did and you put you guys did. But even if you sort of don't, you don't know Star Trek. You know what Captain Kirk looks like. You know what the Enterprise looks like. You know, you know, you know what you know what all these people. You know what it looks like. You've seen it at some point. So it's still quite nice to see, and it's fun. Everything the, the, the original episode was very good fun. It's a great fun episode. And this just makes it even more fun, and yeah, and it's just a brilliant piece of you know of, of TV. It's just a joy, basically. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the perfect kind of anniversary episode, like you say, because it is just really celebrating a lot about what everyone likes about the show. I mean, as an episode on its own, I think you know it is the way that the the stakes are structured and the the mission they do. It's all kind of it is fairly fluff. It is a bit of a filler episode outside of the gimmick itself. But because it's in that gimmick, it kind of like it gets away with so much and you can just ride along and enjoy it. Because there's a lot of like details brushed aside at certain points. Like I swear someone says like uh, I think Cisco at the end says like, oh yeah, that's when we worked out how to use the time orb and got home. It's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but it's like with this episode it gets a pass because I think it's just having so much yeah. fun and it is using it's, it's having so much fun with the current DS9 cast and utilizing them in a great way, not at the expense of chucking them back into the past. So it's, it's saying, like, here's the strengths of everybody in our new current modern show and getting to see them have some fun in the past. So I think it's a really well, great kind of crossover. It actually is a risk because you're, you're putting your crew up against the yeah. crew. And if, there's, if they are deficient in any way, it's going to be really obvious that they're kind of like not as good or, you know, it just, it just isn't working. But they all, like, at this point, so assured, five years in, it's the perfect time to do it. Just the DS9 aspect of it is really good and really fun, even without, like, the classic sort of stuff, which is really fun to watch. So they do let a few of the classic moments play out, and you're really just in those as well. Mm. They don't feel like add-ons. I think Voyager weren't able to do this because I don't think the, the strength in depth was there at that point, only three years in, so it's only literally a two-hander Janeway and Tuvok is the only risk they'll take there, you know, where they got two of their strongest players. And of course, because in that they've got Kay actually properly back, I think there is a lot more on his shoulders on that episode. Whereas with this, is I think that is a great point, Matt, in the sense of actually, in this episode, although we do get to see all the classic kind of characters actually all the heavy lifting is done by the ds9 characters and the concentration is on them and it's a similar trick that the force awakens would use years later where essentially the brand new characters are actually who you're focusing on all of the classic characters are very much in support of the new characters and it allows you to go like oh these new characters are actually absolutely brilliant uh, and the brilliant and they are brilliant characters. It's great, mm. great characters. It's just yeah. If you if you wanted something deep and dark, this isn't it. This is the fun. Oh, it's <laughs> let's celebrate Star Trek being cool and awesome. And this is what you can do when you've got a bit of money as well, you know. And it, they had to put the money to make it so spot on. It's just such a beautiful piece of TV. Well, they tried this kind of stuff later on, and it you know, and it didn't work out when they did the finale of Enterprise, where they kind of made the whole finale episode uh, centered on next gen characters and the. Enterprise crew are there kind of almost as supporting to play out their last story and you know, that's majorly controversial because it felt like the wrong move whereas this just every, every piece is just right you know they've taken a lot of um, 
chances, but it, it, it absolutely oh. the technology was working. It worked. Everything worked seamlessly. And also, it's a thing of actually in DS9, which is probably the darkest of the Star Trek shows. Actually, a lighter episode like this is a nice bit of relief. But you said like the next one's the the one where they get yes. to the pleasure planet. So it's like you had two in a row. Yeah, you're like, well, people always at war. <laughs> people always say this about DS9, and I think they say it's darker and all that kind of thing. And it is. It's the look of this. It's not a bright, bright, glaring '80s white ship. You know, like Voyager, the bridge of Voyager, the bridge of TNG, the '80s TARDIS. You know, the '80s, the love, the bright white, just clean look. Whereas this is, the, you know, they do a really good job of quite a dark space station that's dirty and grimy, and it's got criminals, and it's and it's all that. But the characters still are loads of fun. They're not, they're not particularly dark. Yes, they have depth, but so do most characters in Star Trek. Otherwise, it'd be quite boring. So I always think when people say it's dark, it's not necessarily the story so much. It's just a bit grimier, and I think that's more visual than yeah. anything else, to be honest. And is, isn't it wild yeah. that like next year a show like Discovery or Strange New Worlds, if it's around yet, or Picard, could do a twenty-five year anniversary episode where they go back into DS9 and it's nearly the same amount of time between the two <laughs> between DS9 original series like that's how long it's been now we're very close to like the, yeah the same amount of time split between now and DS9 that DS9 was from the original series well if it, if it takes that to actually clean up DS9 to make it look awesome <laughs> I'm all for it like, yeah I mean I, I, re- I really wish that people had a, like had like myself bought the TNG remastered Blu-rays because they're beautiful uh, and you, you would have got this beautiful version of Voyager and and DS9. And I think particularly with DS9, that would have been just amazing. So everyone, go out and buy the remastered version of, like, just en masse. Everyone buy it, and then we <laughs> might get DS9. Then. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really sad, because, of course, they have remastered in HD some of the scenes from DS9 for that new documentary, uh, What They Leave Behind. Mm. And I've watched some of the some of the remastered scenes and that, and it, it does look pretty amazing like in hd it does look pretty gorgeous yeah and so you do think oh man it's a real shame because they were really at the time with some of the space battles in ds9 they were kind of pushing the limits at the time of what could be achieved on a tv budget and stuff like that so you know it does look really really decent but yeah no it's just a shame hopefully hopefully one day i mean certainly at the end of the day you know what the one thing that might cause this is lockdown because at the end of the day, there's not really any new film or TV being produced. So they are really going to have to go back into the treasure troves of TV at a certain point and just go, right, okay, now we are going to do the remastered versions of things because we have to rely on archive TV now because <laughs> like, we can't make any new stuff. But it's about protecting your assets, isn't it? It's, it's you know making longevity and making it, it will last longer mm. if it's if it's up to up to scratch. It, it, I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of the Blu-rays of TNG. Like I said, they're pretty much you know on on Netflix now. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it is like watching a brand new show. Like I said, I'll even go amazing, for that extra. Yeah. Even that extra bit when you do watch it in the Blu-ray because you don't have this, the, the sort of download restriction, it, it, mm. it is worth it. It is worth it, people. Go out and buy it because it's amazing. TNG on Blu-ray, everyone. Yay! I think it's only like 60 quid for the oh, whole lot. hang on a minute. 60 quid ago. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll have some for sale. About <laughs> 25 minutes on eBay. <laughs> I mean, to be, to be fair, people are shelling out about fucking 500 quid for a Blu-ray box set of the latest series of Doctor Who at the moment. So, you know... <sighs> Okay, it's insane how much they're going for and that's different as well because TNG was shot on film at the end of the day so they can really upgrade it whereas the old episodes of Dot 2 there's only so far 
they can take them in terms of looking good. So yeah, yeah. if you just got to do your research, haven't you? Just know what it was done on because they've kind of done that with uh, Star Wars, like in 4K, like the, the you know the number two and three, which were, like they're only 1080p to begin with. Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. they're trying to say, oh, by the 4K disc, it's like there's nothing, there's nowhere to go nope. with that. Yes, and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the only one they could do it with is Spearhead from Space because that was shot on film and that looks fucking amazing on Blu-ray. It does, it does look great. Well, like, that's why they do half of Dad's Army. All the scenes outdoors, they'll look amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then they go to shoot. Well, it's, it's exactly the same thing with old school <laughs> Doctor Who. Like, all the outside scenes are shot on film <laughs> and look fucking gorgeous. And then the rest is all shot on, like, the shittiest video like, tape. That looks well, like that's a Nolan IMAX version of Dad's <laughs> Army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <you> know, <laughs> Films, but uh, do, you know what? do you know what? I would watch that. Be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, basically, Nolan directs Dad's Army reboot in Dunkirk style. <laughs> but I think pe- pe- people don't get it, though. They think, they think oh, it's 4K, so it's going to be awesome. Or they think, you know, whatever. So, yeah, just, just be careful. Do your research, people, because sometimes it's just not worth it. Basically, you need Mr. Paul Wilson on hand at all times with your Blu-ray purchases <laughs> to kind of tell you whether it'll actually be worth buying or not. Clearly, I give one. that advice out on Twitter all the time, whether it's possible or not. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, actually, the Spanish Blu-ray is the only good one. Like, um, they, they clearly haven't worked. They clearly haven't worked out what the reason for the Klingons looking different is yet, which they do a fucking two-part mm. episode on an Enterprise, because obviously that's made yeah. into a bit of a joke, isn't it? Where they go, oh, why do they look so different? And Wolf's like, we don't talk about yeah, it. Here, yeah, here they finally address it, I guess, but it's just like, maybe this, maybe that. I don't have time to tell you. <laughs> it's like, that'll yeah, do. Yeah, it's basically the writers just go, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> let's, let's park it over there and never well, mention it They should have just again. done it like where they kind of like cut something else and they come back and you're kidding me. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, that would have been fun. Like, I can't even picture it. Yeah. I will certainly yeah. never tell anyone ever again. Yeah. Yeah. I, do, I, I think just it's at my grave. I just don't never let us show that one again. <laughs> yeah. well, That's just, the just, reference. Just have a cutaway and everyone's just like that. Ah, open mouth. I wish I never asked. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I never asked. They did what? <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. Uh, of course, Dennis McCarthy <laughs> reworked the original Jerry Fielding score for this episode. Fielding. So, part of the music. Peckinpah's is... main man. What, what did McCarthy do? Some Peckinpah? No, Jerry Fielding. Oh, oh, Jerry Fielding. <laughs> I was which, which, um, uh, which score is Jerry Fielding? Is it Wild Bunch that he did? Wild Bunch. He did uh, the. Uh, uh, he did Straw Dogs. Oh, amazing uh, score on Straw Dogs. Uh, Alfredo Garcia. Oh, my God. Incredible. I didn't, you know what? I don't think I realised that connection at all. Right, that's it. Yeah. We're doing all the Peckinpah films on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, the, the Straw Dog score is is fucking quality. That's really, really good. The Wild Bunch one's good as well. Like that's fucking great. So uh, McCarthy committed some sacrilege, apparently. And reworked the original Jerry Fielding score, but I, I like I like the score. It kind of melded the two two worlds, the modern and the old, uh, with that. Did anyone else think that they spent so much money on everything this episode that they'd run out by the time they blew up the Triple in space? <laughs> oh, come no, it's on! Good, what, but fine. What more could you do with that? It was quite an explosion. explosion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what more could you do? Like uh, apparently. 
the seed of this episode was the writer saying that he wanted to answer the question as to why all the triples fell on Kirk's head. That was the main reason. That's brilliant. For right there. And I was like, that's not a reason for writing an episode. That's I mean, not that's a question a anyone's bit... answer asking. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can sleep at night now. Yeah. I know, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing Big Finish would do. Big Finish, which make Doctor Who audio <laughs> dramas, which basically their job is to plug every single possible gap in continuity ever. That's becoming, they go make an entire series about why did the Tribbles fall on Kirk's head? Volume 1. Box set, what we've got. Part one of uh, 15. Like, <laughs> it is a funny scene. It does kind of render it even funnier. It's literally just Cisco fucking chucking dribbles on his head, like deliberately. So, have we got any final thoughts on this episode? Matt? Uh, no, it's a really fun one. I This was pretty much as far as I'd gotten when it came to me randomly watching DS9 apps. Like, Oh, okay. In my general watch, I think this was either the last or second to last one I'd done, but I hadn't done any proper DS9 watching since before lockdown, so it was a good time to revisit anyway. Um, but this is, you know, such an easy one to follow and such a great one to to watch. And I, I've watched the um, original series Triples episode a couple of times as well, so I felt very well versed in it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a solid solid show. It's um, it, you know, it's not quite mid season filler at this point, six episodes into the new series, but you know, season five is I guess kind of the strong season for pretty much all of these shows really it's like not quite the end but past the opening uh, slump and everything and this is this does a really good job of, of tying up kind of 30th anniversary celebrations and having a fun little romp for the characters as we've chatted and yeah you know it could be a lot worse and um, I think um, it's it's a ton of fun Bob like I said, I did quite a gruelling, intense uh, watch of Star Trek, uh, and DS9 particularly, because I just couldn't stop watching it. I loved it. And then this came up. It was such a welcome, smiling, happy break. Just something I didn't expect. I didn't even know it existed. And the fact it was one of the few uh, original series episodes I quite like as well. They combine the two really well. I love going back and watching uh, the, the original episode as well. And this, this you know, on back on sort of back-to-back. Because it's fascinating, you can you can see how they've integrated it all and how they've done it really well, and they really have smashed it. If they'd have got any little part of this wrong, you know, visually, you know, it just wouldn't be the same. But it, it is fun perfection of Star Trek. It's just a cracking, easy forty-five minutes of pleasure. Okay, Paul. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty much what you said. I think it's uh, setting down to this one. I think was just my my one fear was would the CGI look dated, and the good news is it doesn't. It just it really works great. You know, so you're not you're not looking out for that. You're just able to just enjoy the episode, and particularly when it comes to the bar brawl, the set piece of this whole episode. I mean, that's the action scene. It's it's brilliant. It was already a great great fight scene. It's it's made even funnier now. You've got these new characters interacting, and you know can't help but get slick in as well, and then get like you know Nick for the Nick for their troubles. I just think it was it was great. I wasn't too bothered about why the triple hit Chatter on the head, but when they connect those two things, it was very funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I've got to say, Bob, like, I've, I couldn't tell what that was behind you. So Bob's doing one of the blue screen kind of, like, effects on uh, on uh, Skype this evening. And I was sure it was, like, Donald Trump's hair for a while. <laughs> what else could it How be, dare you? How dare you, Bob? <laughs> but this it's is a ginger dribble. Massive ginger dribble. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've got great. to say, it took me, I, I swear I only realised very far in that I was like, <laughs> Bob's given himself a wig. I was like, you're not it's fooling anyone, beard. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's with, it's with the beard. I kind of look like an Afro version of Pink Flamingo, the character in Pink Flamingo or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, it's fine. A, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, we've got we've got a triple. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think it's a super enjoyable episode, and I kind of think it's I think it's a nice sort of outlier in the kind of DS Nine canon. I think as a kind of labour of love, clearly this is made at this point. You've got fans making the actual show. And that kind of really comes across. You know, it's the attention to detail is second to none. I actually think that the scene where Cisco meets Kirk, I think is actually quite moving and sweet. There's something, I think there's something about the first black Star Trek captain going back and meeting Kirk, who's like, you know, the biggest kind of Star Trek legend kind of thing. And that passing of the bat there's, there's something really really nice about that excuse me captain here's tomorrow's duty roster for your approval lieutenant uh lieutenant benjamin cisco sir i've been on temporary assignment here before i leave i just want to say it's been an honor serving with you sir all right lieutenant carry on thank you sir and wasn't it bit... footage from a different episode wasn't it yes it was, it's uh, from, from mirror a... mirror um, the and was, was Kirk talking to a woman in that bit? Well, you could tell because the the bit... he's undressing Avery Brooks like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with his eyes. His <laughs> reaction shot after he's kind of picked him up. He's like, mm, Cisco. That's like, yeah. You're like, maybe he did shag old man Dax after all. Like, you know, look, Kirk's a man of the world at the end of the day. Like, you know, oh, I'll tell, tell you, I'll tell you one bit I did really enjoy was when Dax was, you know, saying he's so attractive. It's about his eyes. And it's one of the things that I think it was, I don't know if it was a dig or whatever, but Shatner always perceived himself to be the handsome, yeah. you know, stereotypical rogue, where a lot of people or, or women that watch Star Trek are very much drawn to Spock because he's got that sort of just this stone wall, you know, kind of thing, rather than the stereotypical Hollywood, you know, kind of vibe going yeah. on. Um, and I quite like that little, not dig, but reference. I had no idea. What? He's so much more handsome in person. Those eyes. Kirk had quite the reputation as a ladies' man. Not him. Spock. Oh, I love Brooks's performance in that moment as well. When she says she fancies Spock, he's like, what's that? it's like we gotta go right now before you embarrass yourself <laughs> any further old man but yeah, did you know that apparently paramount promoted this episode by arranging placements of two hundred and fifty thousand tribbles in subways and bus stops across the states now i read this on wikipedia so it could That's be a littering right moment because yeah. i did go digging on other parts of the internet to try and find out if this was true just because i was like what the fuck like how could this possibly be a, a true fact yeah like, surely people but, everywhere would have little souvenir tribbles that they picked up from the the time right yeah exactly they'd all be yeah. on ebay surely like you know so i don't know how true that is but i mean absolutely mad if so it was uh won or nominated for a bunch of kind of Emmys for art direction and visual effects. I completely think it kind of deserved those. And it's included in tons of best of lists as well for Star Trek. And I can see why, because I think it's just a it's just a bit of a love letter to the original series, isn't it? And you know, I'm fine with that. I think it was really, really super good fun. Right. Bob, tell us where we can find you online and all your podcasts and everything so people can go and listen, check you out. Uh, Prog to Who, obviously, which we talked about earlier in the show. Um, just go to Prog, just Google Prog, 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 as in Prog Rock, Prog to Who, 
um, you'll find that come up. Check this out. Um, if you go to, again, these are all on Facebook as well and Twitter. Uh, Trek this out. That's the Star Trek podcast that I do, which is a, it's again, it's on Podbean. Podbean. Trek this out. Um, and I started a new. Well, I've not personally started, but we've. Uh, there's a guy called Cliff Shepard um, who does a podcast called Shep's Deep Dive, uh, and he does film reviews, basically mainly quirky and crazy films. Um, but he invited me and John from Prog to Who on to do a uh, one with him called Man Bites Dog. I don't know if you've seen that before. Yeah. A really crazy, awesome Belgium documentary about a, a sort of mockumentary about a serial killer, which is quite fantastic and brilliant. Um, so we did that, and then we all discovered that we're sort of big Lynch fans. Um, so we're doing one called The Lynch Mob now, where we're reviewing Lynch films. It's <laughs> an Lynch amazing films. title for a David Lynch podcast. <laughs> uh, so, we, so we're doing that, and that is in the in Shep's deep dive feed. And then, because it's not, you know, once we've done all the films, we're doing one a month, we're going to then just go through all of Twin Peaks. The only problem with the title The Lynch Mob is you might get a lot of listeners from the Ku Klux Klan like <laughs> listening in, being like, yeah, They're going to tune in, they're going to love us then. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my three, three main things of doing. And, and get, you know, I'm very lucky I get invited on podcasts like this for yourselves. As a guest, it's great. And I love these because I don't have to do anything afterwards. I can just sit down and do something else, not edit for two or three hours. So it's, uh, but no, thank you for inviting me on, lad. It's been a pleasure. Awesome, it's great to have you on, mate. Really, really good. Well, because you're not on any, you personally aren't on any social media these days, are you? No, 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 no. Yeah, I yeah, can't. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, it's depressing. Since I've not been on social media, I can't. Tell, and I don't watch the news. I don't. Listen, I, the only thing I do is maybe have a browse at BBC or football. Um, and it, it, ignorance is truly bliss. Um, and you sort of get real information, or, or you can sort of be a fair judge of you know of your opinion rather than it being you know and i mean this to the most intelligent of people it's just constant brainwashing it's 1984 man it's just yeah fucking terrifying you, before that like media blackout you completely missed the critical reappraisal of the motion picture that's you know been very popular <laughs> uh so it's number one at the box office they've re-released it in cinemas because they've got no new footage like now so they're just like right Excellent. get motion picture back that's what's going to bring the audiences back after COVID. so, so well, when you come out from behind that rock you know you might, yeah. you might catch motion. <laughs> and again another, another brilliant reason not to be on social media I'm literally in. I'm sort of in the Winchester till I say it all blows over. Probably till I die. I'm not putting my tin hat on. I've just I've just got the Winchester. You put your trouble hat on. No, no. Yeah. You just see one comment from an art, a racist asshole or something on the internet. I couldn't help myself in just try. They're never going to listen. So there's absolutely no point in having a yeah. debate with them. I'd just rather concentrate internally on my own life and the people that I care about and love. Oh, it's de- it's definitely been a massive benefit to my mental health. I will say that. I and you've got no time for social media with a seven-month-year-old child. Oh, exactly. <laughs> he's he's miles more entertaining, entertaining than what what a cat's had for its fucking dinner or whatever. So, um, so yeah, it's I mean, that's and, my favourite like, part of online content, Bob. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, what what I did. I take like Liam's got my number. You know, he, he, Liam's got my number. So it's like uh, you know, people got my number. They could get in touch with me that way. You know, like old school and that. So. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a great place to uh, be, people. Uh, you yeah. can find us at Spotlight Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Drop us an email at spotlightpod at gmail.com. Always lovely to hear from people, especially in lockdown, because you know we're all 
all disconnected at the moment. It's always great to hear from people and hear what you think from the show. Very big in Slovakia, apparently. So we'd love to hear <laughs> from our Slav listeners anytime. We will be back with another episode soon. I believe the next episode will probably be with Felix Trench from the Wooden Overcoats podcast discussing a Voyager episode. But if it isn't, I'll cut this bit out. Uh, so until then, it's goodbye from me, Liam. Uh, goodbye from me, Matt. And goodbye from me, Paul. And goodbye from our guest, Mr. Bob Fleming. Goodbye, everyone, and thank you very much, gents. It's been a pleasure. Oh, cheers, Bob. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us, man. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.